Hey everyone, it's Franco Terrazano, the federal director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. I'm here with our brand new investigative journalist, Mr. Ryan Thorpe, who now joins the Canadian Taxpayers Federation after uh, spending some time as a journalist with the Winnipeg Free Press. Okay, Ryan, let's get right into it. Why did you decide to come chase down government waste? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. Uh, I guess the the easy answer is because there's so much of it, right? Uh, my experience being a reporter in uh, Winnipeg, primarily covering uh, municipal politics, provincial politics as well in Manitoba, um, you know, gave me insight to the levels of government waste uh, that exist here. Um, in addition to that, the impact uh, it can have on the communities these governments are supposed to serve when so many tax dollars are not being um spent well. Uh, so, I mean, that would be uh, one answer to it. I guess a little bit more broadly, um, you know, I don't think there are enough reporters, there aren't enough journalists in this country focusing on government waste stories. So I think that there are a lot of things that are going unreported, um, underreported, and uh, this seemed like a really cool opportunity to come do more of that work and hopefully rectify that situation. Ryan, how long were you a journalist before joining the CTF? Uh, so I spent five years at the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, so that was the majority of my career. Prior to that, I did a stint at the Hamilton Spectator, and then I did a couple of years training uh, in journalism school. Um, so I spent about seven years, you know, reporting pretty much full time. Um, and yeah, majority of my career at the, the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. So you've been around the block a time or two. What was the biggest story that you broke as your time with as a reporter? Um, so the, the work that I'm probably most known for would be some uh, reporting I did at the Free Press into um, an individual named Patrick Matthews, who was a, a member of the Canadian military, who was moonlighting for a, uh, a neo-Nazi and a white supremacist group, a pretty disturbing collection of individuals. They had an active presence in Winnipeg, and uh, I was able to get to the bottom of uh, you know what they were up to tie one of their members um, to the Canadian military and kind of expose that and blow the whistle on it. Um, so that was a pretty interesting story. But after we broke that initial news, things kind of went haywire and the story just kept getting crazier and crazier. He ended up fleeing the country uh, and he's now serving a, a nine year prison sentence in the United States. Um, so, yeah, that was the one that definitely made the most, I would say, international uh, headlines. Ryan, my man. You're being a little bit too modest. How exactly did you, did you get all the details on this fella? Uh, yeah, so I took a bit of a unique approach on that story. I ended up infiltrating this organization. Um, you know, groups like this, they don't tend to take too kindly to journalists coming around asking questions. So, um, you know, I had to pretend to be a, a like-minded individual. Uh, I had to pretend to hold a whole bunch of views uh, that I don't hold. Um, I was able over the course of, uh, you know, two to three weeks, uh, kind of slowly gain these people's trust until they invited me into the fold. And then after that, I, I set about trying to learn as much as I could and, and, and identify as many members as I could, because, uh, you know, these were people that were planning uh, acts of violence and, and, and posed a serious threat. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild. So you said this uh, this gentleman is now in jail. Uh, how long is he in jail for? And are you ever worried about some of the consequences uh, if if and when he gets out? 
so he's in jail. He got a nine year sentence. Uh, so he's still got the majority of that to serve. Uh, it's also it's a federal uh, prison sentence in the United States. So there's no parole system. You get nine years, you serve nine years. So he's not getting out uh, anytime soon when he does. He'll be coming back to Canada. And I suppose when that day comes, uh, you know, I'll have to, you know, I'll have to maybe look out over my shoulder a little bit more than I than I currently am. But um, it was definitely reporting that carried some risks. I got some blowback. I was subject uh, of some threats. Um, so, you know, there, there were sources of concern there from a safety standpoint. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I'm I'm pretty, pretty comfortable and I'm not too, too worried about that. That sounds like some uh, some real journalism there. Speaking of 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 some good work that you've done, I mean, you've only been around with the CTF for like a week now, and you've already broke some some pretty big examples of waste. Let's dig into those uh, CTF stories that you've already broke. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, like like you mentioned, my my stint at the CTF is pretty new, pretty fresh, uh, but able to hit the ground running to some extent. So we've broken a, a couple of of good stories. One was on the the Business to Development Bank of Canada, and I mean the. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised at this point, but in the pandemic alone, um, it handed out uh, $104 million in bonuses and raises um, in 2020 and 2021. Um, another detail we were able to get through some access to information requests was uh, not a single pay cut across that time. So, you know, pretty consistently across the board for their staff um, at a time when a lot of Canadians are struggling, you know, they're seeing um, significant bonuses and raises. Um, at the BDC, you know, their senior management team, the senior executive team also took home 8 million um, in 2020, uh, and that bumped up to 8.8 million in, in 2021. Um, so Ryan, let me just jump in here because I just want to remind listeners that What's what's so great about this story from Ryan is that he's been following a lot of the work the Canadian Taxpayers Federation has done, continuing on the examples of crown corporations handing out huge bonuses and raises during the pandemic. Of course, there's the Bank of Canada, 45 million in bonuses and raises, the CMHC, about 60 million in bonuses and raises during the pandemic years. And of course, everyone's state broadcaster, favorite state broadcaster, the CBC, also handed out 51 million smackers in bonuses and raises during the pandemic. Now, Ryan, you've also been giving legs to a, 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 a big story that the CTF has been working on. And of course, that's all the waste that is coming from Rideau Hall and the Governor General. So why don't you kind of talk about the other story that you've broke during your early days with the CTF? Yeah, well, what we're seeing, um, at least on the governor general file, is that uh, it's not only you know senior executives that are getting these pay increases at Crown Corporations. The governor general's salary has also increased. It's, uh, I think, it came in at thirty nine thousand three hundred since the start of the pandemic, uh, which is a pretty significant, you know, pay pay bump. Um, you know, the average Canadian certainly doesn't see a pay bump like that, a salary increase over the course of two years, let alone during a, a time period. Uh, like the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and that's that's on top of all of the perks, you know, and expense accounts and things that already come with that job. Um, and I know the, the CTF has been doing a lot of good work uh, on the governor general file, tracking those things, which is certainly something that, um, you know, in my new role that I want to keep on that story um, because I think it's important. It, it, you know, the tone is set at the top. And so when there's waste happening uh, coming from the governor general, that's going to trickle down throughout, uh, you know, the rest of the, the federal government. All right. Hold on a second. You said that the pay increase for the governor general since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic was about $40,000. So what's the governor general's annual salary right now? 
So for 2022, the governor general's annual salary was set at $342,100. I've asked what the salary is going to be uh, this upcoming year in 2023, because, you know, you're seeing these annual increases. So we could be seeing one more coming. Um, I've been told that that salary hasn't been set yet for 2023, um, but it's likely going to be jumping up even further from what it's currently at, which is $342,000. So the governor general is making about 340 something K right now. Pre-pandemic was about 300 K. Then the pay bumps of $40,000, you know, leaves me with a couple questions here. Number one, uh, can the government really show taxpayers that the governor general is providing an extra $40,000 in benefit to the taxpayer? I doubt it. But number two, uh, why does the governor general need an extra 40 K when they can just expense as much beef Wellington as their stomach desires? But Ryan, let's just transition a little bit because during your time as a reporter, you also broke a bunch of waste stories. So why don't you give us a rundown on some of the waste stories you broke before coming to the CTF? Certainly. Yeah. So uh, my time in Winnipeg, I spent um, you know a bit of time covering provincial politics at the Manitoba Legislative Building. I also spent a lot of time down at City Hall um, in Winnipeg. And um, you know there was no shortage of, of government waste stories uh, during my time reporting in the city. Um, pretty early on in my career, we, we stumbled on some information that there was a the, the president of a public sector union in Winnipeg, he represented the local firefighters union, who was actually having his salary paid by taxpayers, despite the fact that he was a full-time union president, which was just a remarkable sweetheart deal that he was able to, to get with the city of Winnipeg. So we really hammered them on that over and over again, which just as a matter of principle, you know, I think most people can agree that full-time union presidents shouldn't be being paid by taxpayers. Um, There's a pretty big story a few years ago where um, a a private investigator in Winnipeg was actually hired to um, trail uh, a bunch of building inspectors uh, that were employed by the city of Winnipeg because it was really difficult for a lot of people to get permits. And suddenly they were wondering, you know, there's all this staff, all these people are supposed to be, you know, um, signing off on these permits. What are they doing all day? Well, the PIs who trailed them found that many of them were working maybe two, three hours a day at most. You know, they were doing shopping during uh, during their work days. They were having, you know, three hour lunches at Tim Hortons with a bunch of staff. So that was another pretty, uh, pretty scandalous story. Um, you know, there's lots of waste stories um, just in regards to the public works department that have come out over the years. Uh, one recently, um, I was able to actually trigger an audit at the city of Winnipeg by um exposing um, just a pattern of financial mismanagement and frivolous kind of make work projects um, in regards to traffic infrastructure around the city of Winnipeg. And this was, you know, going back about a decade to the tune of millions and millions of uh, misspent tax dollars. Um, And then uh, I've spent a lot of time digging into capital projects at at the city of Winnipeg. Um, You know, the costs are almost always coming in well over budget. There's just a pattern of them being unable to bring in these projects uh, for for what they say they're going to at the start of things. Um, And so started digging into those um, and the patterns that kind of emerged over the years in Winnipeg. And and probably the most well-known case would be the Winnipeg Police Service headquarters uh, construction project, which ended up sparking an RCMP criminal investigation for fraud, um, although it didn't uh, ultimately end up leading to any charges. So those would be a, a few that immediately come to mind. But honestly, there's there's more than that as well. 
So as a, as a person who's trained in journalism, what do you feel about the media subsidies and media bailout? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's a topic that's uh, really close to, to my heart. Um, you, you mentioned being someone who's, who's trained in journalism. One of the first um, lessons that I remember learning in journalism school, I think it would have been first week, would be one, you avoid actual conflicts of interest on the stories that you're reporting, right? If you have a conflict, you don't report that story. Two, uh, you take it a step even further. You avoid even the perception of a conflict of interest. You don't do anything as a reporter that could put you in a situation where your readers could perceive you as in a conflict. Well, by accepting massive government handouts, uh, the newspaper industry in this country has put themselves into a very real conflict of interest with the federal government. Um, and I think it's quite fair for average Canadians to wonder um, how this impacts news coverage. I don't think uh, the newspaper industry should have been going out begging the feds for money. and. Even if it had been offered, I think it should have turned it away. Um, I once heard the, the journalist David Simon say that uh, journalism should bite the hand of anyone who tries to feed it, but if that hand bite belongs to the government, bite twice as hard. And uh, the Canadian government or the Canadian media um, has not done that. And uh, and I, you know, it, it's something that that significantly uh, bothers me. Yeah. You know? You know, I, I hadn't heard that quote before. It's a good one. Uh, I might use it. I might steal it for my own. Um, yeah. But Ryan, why did you decide to to leave that and come join the Canadian Taxpayers Federation? Well, one is, um, again, I think it's an opportunity to do really good work. I think that there aren't enough uh, reporters in this country focusing on government waste. Um, and uh, this was an opportunity for me to come and do that work and try and pick up some of that slack. Um, the other thing I would say was just the CTF has always been an organization that I've had respect for in the sense that I have been going to the CTF, you know, on and off on some of these government waste stories that I've reported on for comment um, over the years. And one thing that always came through uh, was that the CTF wasn't going to pull any punches, right? Um, and that uh, it didn't matter the, if the subject of the story was on the left, if they were on the right, um, the CTF was going to, you know, shoot straight. And uh, that was always something that I really respected and admired about the organization. Um, and then, yeah, the opportunity to switch my focus from municipal politics to provincial politics and now turn more and more uh, to federal politics is something I'm really excited about. Um, and in the same way that I've been breaking city hall waste stories and provincial waste stories, I now want to break some big federal waste stories and, and work with the, the CTF to, frankly, save taxpayers money. All right. Well, speaking of not pulling any punches and breaking some federal waste story stories, what's on your target list here in Ottawa? <laughs> Well, I mean, first of all, anywhere there's waste, right? There's nothing I'm unwilling to look at. So anywhere there's waste, you know, we need to to focus in on. Um, having said that, some some bigger ticket items, maybe corporate welfare. I want to dig into corporate welfare for sure. Um, I know that there's a couple of files that we've already mentioned, you know, Crown Corp uh, expenses in terms of uh, executive pay, uh, pay raises and bonuses throughout the pandemic. I want to continue pushing forward on those files. Governor General, as we've already mentioned, you know, the tone is set from the top. Um, so I think it's important to keep an eye on that. Um, you know, media bailout, uh, what's going on with the media subsidies in this country? What's going on with the CBC? Um, those are a few other big uh, things that um, 
I would like to focus on. Having said that, there are also uh, some other files. Maybe keep those cards closer to the the vest right now. But um, <laughs> there's no shortage of uh, of work to be done here. Music to our ears, sir. Ryan, thanks so much for taking the time to have this conversation with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Franco. And folks, if you want to read more of Ryan's work, the best place to do that is head over to taxpayer.com. Check out the newsroom. You can also follow all of Ryan's great work on our social media platforms. Just search Canadian Taxpayers Federation.